So as a church, we have been going through the book of Philippians and we'll continue to do that this morning again. Um, there's much to be discussed, much to be, to be um, understood and learned together and um, just acknowledge what God is doing in our hearts through his most holy word. And we've been looking at um, chapter 2. Chapter 2. And so um, this morning we'll be continuing with chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. But just a reminder that uh, chapter 2, the um, overall theme of chapter 2 is unity. Unity within the body of Christ, the Christians that uh, Paul was writing to in Philippi. Unity. And then today's title in chapter 2, verse 12 to 13, is a famous, a famous um, sentence that I think we quote most often. It says, we are to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. So the, the title today will be, we'll be looking at that statement, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. And as um, we look at these two scriptures today, we will see how we are to take responsibility with our walk after salvation. We will see how Paul encouraged his friends in Philippi. And the same encouragement applies to us today as well. So let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. And this is what it says. Therefore... My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So verse 13, which we don't often uh, maybe quote after verse 12, you know, we often will say, we'll encourage each other at the church, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. But then we often don't look at verse 13, which is, it's God who is busy working in us to fulfill his good purpose. We'll we'll understand how that looks like for us um, today. So here we see Paul has been appealing for both steadfastness against enemies in chapter 1 and humility, which we've spent quite a bit uh, looking at in chapter 2. Now, here he asks them, his friends in Philippi, to actually put these things that he had said to them into practice, into effect. So he's spoken, he's, he's preached to them, he's encouraged them through his, his uh, letter to, to them. But then now he says, at the, at chapter, in, in verse 12, he says, actually, what I've said to you, now it's your chance to put it in practice. Now it's your opportunity to put it into practice. And so as we continue looking at these two scriptures, can I ask us to consider 
how you are taking resp responsibility in your life in regards to working out your salvation. So if you look at it, may I ask, just in the back of your mind, consider how are you taking responsibility of your life as you uh, live this beautiful, glorious life that God has uh, given us and blessed us with. So it says, work out your, work it out in fear and, and trembling. But then the question I have to ask, and I suppose you probably have uh, in your mind is, well, how? How are you and how am I to work out um, my salvation in fear and, and trembling? And now I'm going to give you three answers this morning that kind of pertain to us here today in the world. How do we work it out? How do we work it out? How do, how do I work out my uh, salvation? Understanding that salvation is not, is not uh, manufactured. It's not, it wasn't even your choice. It's through God's love and grace upon you that he brought salvation unto you. But then Paul encourages his friends to work it out. What does he mean and how do we do it? So the first answer as to how do we work it out is by actually taking responsibility for our own lives. For our own Christian lives. We are called to take responsibility. Now what do I mean by that? Because some things in the Christian life as you know, are a sheer gift. Like salvation, the initial salvation, that's a gift from God. And there was no human contribution whatsoever. So you're coming to salvation, you're, you coming to acknowledge God as your Lord and Savior, had, had, there was no contribution from your side up until you said yes. Men and women were not present when God created the heavens and the earth. They made no contribution. Guess what? You didn't make any contribution to the creation of this earth. It's a sure gift that God has given us. Us being on this earth, this glorious earth that we enjoy, it's a gift from God. But in the same way, um, we do not give ourselves the Holy Spirit. Just like we don't give ourselves salvation, just like we are not involved in creation, we do not give ourselves the Holy Spirit. We do not give, give ourselves the first breath of eternal life. God saves us by coming to us when we were dead in trespasses and sins. I must make it clear, we do not justify ourselves before God. It says, whilst we were still sinners in your, in your sinful nature, God sent his son to die for you and I. We cannot justify ourselves before God. We are not, to, we are not saved by our own efforts or our own righteousness. I'm sure you guys know this already, but it's just a reminder. 
That your good works do not earn you salvation. Your good works don't earn you favor with God to get you into heaven, as it were. Yet there are other aspects of the Christian life in which we are to be involved and in which we are to take responsibility. After we come to salvation, we are no longer dead in trespasses and sins. After we come to salvation, we become alive unto God. We become alive. We were dead, but now we're no longer dead. We are alive because of his good, uh, his goodness, his mercy over us. So here uh, we see Paul writes, work out your salvation, work it out. I mean, it's a fairly straightforward statement. Friends, family, work out your salvation. Yes, Paul. How? How? We need to note that he does not mean, Paul does not mean produce good works to justify ourselves before God, as I said. He does not say work for your salvation. We do not try to get our, our good works before God so we can get our salvation our first receiving of salvation, as I said earlier, is a sheer gift. A sheer gift from the giver of gifts. We are saved by faith. And faith is putting out an empty hand saying, here I am. Here I am. But I, I need to make it clear yet again and remind us that Paul is not denying what he has taught previously. He has taught, um, he's not denying that um, where he teaches elsewhere about salvation being without works. Because he's, he's taught, he said, salvation is without works, as I've, uh, I've just said now. But now then he says, yeah, but you've got to work out your salvation. It sounds to me as though there's work for you to, to do. Paul says, don't do any work, because you can't, doesn't earn you anything. And then he says, but you've got to work it out. Uh, it's almost a, uh, what is the word? Contradiction in, in some ways. But let, let's, let's see and understand what he's, what he's trying to say to his friends and what the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning. See, once God has given us salvation, we are indeed to work out what God has given us. So God gives you salvation, you're saved. And then he gives you a life ahead for you to, to, to live. To live unto him. Because for, once you were dead in trespasses, now you're alive to God. How does it look like? Okay, I'm alive, but I'm still in this world. Things are tough, things are good, maybe, maybe not. How, how does it look like? And so Paul says there that we are to actually work out our salvation recognizing what God has given us and work out those things that God has given to us. Work them out. Paul is thinking of the kind of things he said in, verse, in chapter 1. He, he has asked these Christians, his friends, to show steadfastness against their enemies. He has asked them to show graciousness 
and humility toward each other. Toward each other. He has asked them to have the mind of Christ in the way in which they live their lives. So he is simply continuing his appeal when he says, work out your own salvation. They are to take responsibility for the way in which they live their lives. So for us this morning, church, we have to take responsibility for the way in which we live out our lives here on earth. You know, um, often we, 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 will, we will make statements, you know, um, like, uh, we'll make statements like, uh, it's happened, it just happened to me. And the question I've got to ask when it just happened to you, what part did you play for that situation to happen to you? Because there are consequences to the, the, the decisions we make in our lives. And we can't always blame God for wrong decisions. And we often do. In fact, last night I, I was just thinking about, about this particular passage of Scripture. And I just got overwhelmed with the fact that you know, this creator, this God who has so graciously um, loved us and saved us, has given us so much. Maybe we have successful businesses. Perhaps we have uh, good marriages. Things are good kids. We got, we got all the things that maybe we want. Yet we neglect to go back to him and ask him for direction. And ask him as to how we are to live our lives. And ask him, God, are you happy with it? This is what I'm thinking. I don't know if it's me or it's you. Or, uh, are you happy with this? How often should we actually be um, asking of God how our lives should work out? Because you've saved us. Now we're still here on this earth. You've got a plan and purpose for your glory. Well, then if that's the case, I want to give you glory. I want my life to shine for you. How is that, how's my decision going to shine for you in my life? So the first answer as to how do we work out our salvation is by taking responsibility for our very lives. The second point as to how we do this thing, how do we work it out, how do we work out our salvation which is a hard one, but a good one, is that you and I as, as children of God are not to become too dependent on pastoral care. I'm not trying to get myself out the hook here. But the reality is we become too dependent on people rather than God. Yes, of course we need leaders. Of course we need um, uh, preachers. Of course we need people that God has placed in the church to do the, the work that he's called um, uh, us to do or the people to do. It, it's, it, it needs to happen, but to become too dependent. Paul did not want his friends to get too dependent on him. Paul identified and realized that actually he, yes, he's a servant of God, but he's still a man. He's still a man. 
And if you, friends, my friends in Philippi, if you are dependent on me only, then there's a problem. Guess why? Because I'm in prison. I'm in prison. But if you're not dependent on me, you are to work out your salvation, your life, with fear and trembling. You, not me. I don't work it out for you. No, you work it out for yourself. See, there's a level of responsibility that is on us. These Philippians, these friends of Paul's, have shown obedience to his instructions when he has been present with them. Now he says to them, show the same sort of obedience to God. Not to me, Paul, to God. Wow, I, Paul, I'm in prison and cannot watch over you so closely. So if your, 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 your friends, uh, your, your parents, whoever's watching over you, if we cannot watch over you so closely, it says work out your salvation for yourself. It's your responsibility as well. So they must work out their own salvation, whether he is with them or not. So whether I'm with you or not, you're to work out your own salvation. Whether the next person is with you or not, you're to work out your own salvation. We encourage each other, yes. We have to encourage one another. We need to encourage one another. When I'm a little bit down, downwards, I, you need to come and lift my head up. By encouraging me to, to look at the word of God. But, but have you seen what God has done? Have you seen? Have you, do you remember? Uh, you're to encourage me as I am to encourage you. But we're not to be dependent on each other. We're not to be dependent on each other. Who thinks that's a hard statement to make? It's our parents. You know, we look after our kids as they grow up and we try to give them independence. We, we raise them up in a way that we will let them go one day. But when the time comes, I, I haven't, I'm not there yet. I'm sure it will be difficult to let them go. But it's... Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> but it's part of life. If I'm not raising my kids in a way that they will grow up and be independent, they'll be able to manage their lives, what is it that I'm actually doing? I'm actually perhaps setting them up for failure. Because I'm not always going to be around. And so Paul says this to his friends. Do not be so dependent on me as your pastor, as your, as your leader, as one who loves you. Actually, I, I am writing all these things. I'm encouraging you with all these things. You have to grow up in these things, doing them, uh, so that uh, when I'm away from you, you're able to still stand. Okay, now the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, that's all good and well, but how do I stand? We'll see what number, the, the, third, uh, the third answer is, how do we stand? So good and well, do this, do that. I've encouraged you this way, love be, uh, be gracious, be humble, be all these things that I've encouraged. Have the mind of Christ. He would encourage his friends. But how? I'm human. 
How? Number three, we have to work out our salvation by learning to lean on God's pastoral care. So we don't lean on so much on your, 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 your pastors or your, your physical, your friends' pastoral care, as it were. We have to lean more on God's pastoral care. They must learn to depend on God rather than Paul. You must learn to depend on God rather than me or the next person. Work out your salvation, he says to them. Now here is the, the, the how. Here's the, here's the Verse 13 tells us how. For God is the one who is working in you, producing both the desire and work itself to bring about his good purpose. So Paul encourages them, don't depend on me. Yes, I might be your leader, I might be your father, as it were, uh, and I will guide you, but don't depend on me too much. Work it out yourself. But how are you to work it out yourself? By depending on God. Let him be your pastor. Let him be your elder. Let him be the one who you go to. So as you go to him, he says in verse 13, the, the, the encouragement is, because he is already working in you. He is already working in you. He's producing the work, and he's also producing the desire for you to fulfill the work. It's God who's doing it anyway. We just say yes, and he's doing it anyway. Isn't that, for me, that is quite um, uh, encouraging. You remember a couple of months back we, we were in uh, Philippians uh, 1 and we looked at verse uh, uh, 11 where it said that it's, it's Jesus, uh, it's God who gives us these fruits of righteousness. Um, Jesus g- gives them to us for the glory of God the Father, which then led us to, 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 to Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, to try and look at each one and understand. Okay, God gives them to us. Uh, so that he can get the glory. Oh, which then reminds me, it shows me here that actually my whole life, our whole lives as, as Christians, as the call out ones, God is busy working in us. He is doing the work. We just say, yes, Father, use me. But he is doing the work. He gives you the desire to do the work and then he does it in you. Why? For his good purpose. And Paul makes that statement because sometimes he will be absent, as it's evident that he was absent. But he says, and guess what? God is always present. I might be absent, the next person might be absent, but guess what? God is always present. Though Paul might not always work. Or be at work among them, God is always at work within them. They must learn to depend on God. Which is true of us. We must learn to depend on God. Whether they can feel it or not, 
God is at work in them. So this morning, whether you, whether you feel it or not, I must remind you that God is at work in you. God is at work in you. And he's at work in you, yes, for your benefit, yes, for our benefit, but for his good purpose and his glory. And he is more committed to you than you are to him. Now that's, that for me is encouraging. And it's quite motivating at the same time. So Paul has emphasized to them that they themselves must act. They themselves must act. So there's a work that you do need to do once you have been saved. You don't do the work to get the salvation, but after salvation there's work that you need to do. See, the Christian comes alive towards God and is able to take part in his own sanctification. I've been taught, the word says, you are saved in three stages. You are saved initially when God comes and saves you. That's called justification. You didn't do anything. He did it. Then you are saved through the process of sanctification, which is us working out our lives. This is where we play our part. The sanctification process of our salvation, which is where we encourage each other and God shows us, you forgive that person, you need to let that go. And you need to, you know, all these things that are helping us to become more like Jesus Christ. And then you're saved in a third process, the third part of, the, of our salvation, which is known as glorification. That we will only experience when we see God, when He enter His glory one day. Where there will be no diseases, there will be no more tears, none of that stuff. We will be fully saved. So there are three, there are three stages. God does the initial stage. He continues to do the, the, the secondary uh, stage with us involved in it. And then the final stage when we see him in glory. When he says that you will have a new body. There will be a new heaven. There will be, there will be all this new stuff that we are looking forward to. We don't, we're not there yet. But it's coming. So the Christian comes alive towards God. And is able to take part in his or her own sanctification. See, it's not a matter of relaxing and letting God do everything. I'm not trying to encourage works. But it's not a matter of uh, just relaxing and letting God do everything. You guys will remember that statement, let go and let God. Michael Eaton says, that was an old slogan. But it was always wrong. Let go and let God. That slogan was always wrong. Why? Because we have to take part in our own process of sanctification. With fear and trembling. We have to have a sense 
of responsibility. We know that God may chastise us, chastise us. We know that if we get neglectful of his things, and he does that not because he does not love us, may I say, but because he does love us. And he is determined to produce godly character within us whilst we are walking this sanctification process. So God is at work in you and my life. And the work that he, he has begun in Philippians 1, 6, it says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will bring it to completion. So how do we work out our, our salvation in fear and trembling? Number one is taking, actually taking responsibility for this life that God has given us and playing our part. Number two is um, by not being so dependent on human, on, on, on leaders, but actually, number three, being more dependent on God, your Father. And in conclusion, Paul says, work out your own salvation. It will mean attentiveness to the task at hand. It will mean that every day we are to talk to ourselves as it were. We have to encourage ourselves as it were. We have to remind ourselves of the grace of God that is at work in our lives. We have to recall what we know to be God's will, will, will over our lives. We have to do these things. We have to remind ourselves of these things. We have to look back and say, God, you have been faithful up until now. And that reminder encourages us to hold on and to continue working out this salvation process in fear and trembling. We are uh, to especially think of ways in which God is calling us to have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's, He's in us, He's doing our work in us. And you know by your own self, you cannot, you cannot have the mind of Jesus Christ unless you allow the Holy Spirit to, to, do, the, to do that in your life. We are to rouse ourselves and keep the fire of the Holy Spirit burning. Now, I'm not saying that we must conjure the Holy Spirit fire. Because we cannot give the fire. But we can put away the things that put the fire out. We spend time talking to God. About what, about what he is calling us to do. We ask him to enlighten his word to our hearts. We sing songs to his praise. And when we fall, we get up and we keep going. Because God is achieving in us his good purpose. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is ready to give us extra help when we ask Him for it. He's willing and ready. 
Why? Why must we work out our salvation in fear and trembling? Well, because both divine enablement and human responsibility are involved in getting God's work done. In getting getting God's work done in us, in you and I, for His good purpose. So this whole life He's given to us, this life that He's allowed us to have, it's all for Him. It's all to glorify Him. And as we glorify Him, we get to enjoy. We get to enjoy this life. We get to enjoy the benefits of this life. We get to enjoy the benefits of being together. I get the benefit of just seeing your faces every Sunday and every other day. It's lovely. It's a a gift. It's a gift. It's not as though I come to church thinking, oh man, do I have to see those people? I come to church and say, yes, (laughs) I get to see you this morning. It's a benefit. But God is busy at work. So can I remind us, Philippians 1, verse 6. He who began a good work in you and I will bring it to completion. Will bring it to completion. May that be an encouragement as you, as you leave this morning, as you go to work, as you go on holiday, as you do what you need to do. May you just always remember that God is at work in you and is at work in me. Isn't that encouraging? I certainly hope it is because it is uh, encouraging for me. Father, thank you for your most holy word. Thank you, God, that we do have a part to play. We don't earn your merit. We don't earn your love. We don't earn those things, God. You give them to us, God. But once you've given them to us, God, we, we, we have a part to play. Thank you that in that part, Lord, there's purpose. It gives us purpose, Father. Help us, Father, to feel the sense of purpose. Help us, Lord, to remember that, that when we don't feel as though you are indeed working in our lives, that actually you are, that you are indeed faithful and that you will bring to completion the work that you started in us for the glory of the King of Kings. That when you receive the glory, God, when we shine, when we look good, as it were, to the world, it's not for us, but it's for your glory. I bless you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' strong and mighty name I pray. Amen.